Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Steve. And I'm David. Cheers. Cheers. All right, and we drink. Okay, and that is delicious. That is the... That's a hooey hooey. Hooey hooey. Uh, unaged rum. It's actually three unaged rums blended together. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So if people haven't figured this out by now, we're talking about rum today. And we are out here, and I am going to probably potentially butcher the name here. It is Kuliana? Perfect. That Was that perfect? Yep. Short okay. vowel sounds. Uh, out here on the island, uh, on the big island of Hawaii, and we are in uh, the... Waikoloa Village. Perfect. Yeah, we're actually Waikoloa Beach Resort. Waikoloa Beach Resort, and uh, we're at Kuleana Rum Works talking about rum, and we've got Steve here as well. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do? Uh, My name is Steve Jefferson. I was born and raised in Hawaii. I moved here when I was about 12 years old to the Big Island from Oahu. And I got into rum when my wife and I and our two children, one and three at the time, were sailing around in the Caribbean. And we stopped at an island called Martinique. Um, And just as a typical day trip, went up and tried some rum. Noticed how similar it was to Hawaii. Noticed that they had sugarcane farms and a lot of the stuff just really resembled back home. Same plants. And uh, we tried some of the rum and I remember being so blown away with what it tasted like. That I, you know, I asked them, I'm all, you know, what is this? And they said it's a product called Rum Agricole, um, which is French for agricultural rum. Okay. And it turns out that less than 3% of the world's rum is made that way because they make it with fresh sugarcane juice. Okay. Um, and when I learned that and how good it was, I remember turning to my wife and saying, we got to move back to White and start a rum distillery. <laughs> we got that. Now that's, uh, I love that. We got to go make rum. And, yes. and she took that pretty well? Well, she hears things like this probably four or five times a week <laughs> okay but this one stuck and she obviously liked the idea and, and and made it happen awesome and here we are and so that one's a little bit along the lines of kind of your history relationship with alcohol as well we like to kind of ask everybody that anything yeah before else? that I was a fan of rum and and never enjoyed a lot of the rum that was offered but I remember gravitating towards Mount Gay mm-hmm. um, and I thought that was a pretty good rum and I wasn't sure why I liked it, but I knew what I liked about it is that it hadn't been sweetened, um, and it wasn't flavored, and there wasn't a pirate involved, and so it made <laughs> I, good I drinks. Always, I always liked the name. <laughs> yeah. Mount Gay? It's I a do. good name. I, I like the name. It's a good name. Yeah. Awesome. All right, and so David, let's, uh, let's uh, hear a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then your kind of uh, history relationship. My relationship, relationship. With, yeah. with alcohol. Yes. Um, it's long. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you know, I always liked it. I'm trying to, I haven't been asked this question for a long time, so I'm trying to, I, I, you know, I think my relationship with alcohol, I think it started in college. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of them start. Well, right. Was it with cheap beer and? Uh, uh, it, it was. I, I went to school in Virginia. Okay. And the, the sort of national drink of the college was bourbon. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes and sense so for where you were. Yeah. people would bring uh, a a bottle of bourbon, a fifth of bourbon to the football games, and the, the guys would rock around with um, the trays of the plastic stadium cups. Yep, yep. With Coke in it, and they would yell, mixers, mixers. <laughs> and that's what I remember about college was the, you know, you'd bring your own mixer to mix <laughs> with the bourbon. 
Nice. So, I mean, the, yeah, they weren't the selling cup. they weren't selling soda. They were selling mixers. They were and selling you brought mixers. the bourbon. That's exactly right. So, but but everybody drank bourbon, and that's kind of my first memory. And you know, I hadn't really thought about that for a while. But it was a great. Uh, it's just what you did. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. And, I like but that. But we, we weren't real sophisticated about it. And there there was a, a bourbon in Virginia called Old or uh, Virginia Gentleman. Mm-hmm. And you can still buy it today. But that's kind of the national drink of the school, Virginia Gentleman bourbon, and. To this day, I love Virginia gentlemen. So yeah. nice, very nice. I like it. All right, so so I don't know if we should let him off the hook that easily. Oh, did oh I? actually, the yes. Story continues. I, well, I have heard this. This man might have some history. I, I, a little bit of history, a little bit of knowledge. Lucky enough to have founded a company called Highwest Distiller, in so that was about 15 years ago. Um, so I mean, I, I I knew I liked bourbon. But I didn't really know I liked it until I visited Kentucky, and my wife and I went to a wedding, and as a side, we went to Maker's Mark, because mm-hmm. we were living in Northern California at the time. We liked Napa, yep. and kind of like your journey, we thought, well, why not go to a distiller, because we'd never been to one. So we went to Maker's Mark, I and like that's it. where she and I looked at each other and said, you know, we should make bourbon. So that's... And you made bourbon in okay, so I got Park to interrupt City, here. Utah, right? Is that right? We live in Park City, Utah. Quick, okay, yeah, quick interruption only yes. because on the way home from the Caribbean, Maker's Mark turns out to be exactly in between the Caribbean and Hawaii. Really? And we also stopped at Maker's Mark to see whether this distillery thing was really going to be for us or not. And after a visit to Maker's Mark, we were just absolutely sold. It's sold. It was done. Maker's Mark is what did it for us. The Kentucky distilleries are, if you haven't been. I have not been yet. I, it it's is on, on my list. It's got to be on be your list. Soon. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's magical. They're national treasures. We visited in 2001. I don't know if you know. Here's a random fact. Yeah, yeah. We love those here. Per capita consumption of alcohol in the United States. Do you know when it's all-time low was? After Prohibition, I'm guessing. Well. <laughs> or during? Um, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. After Prohibition, do you know when its all-time low was? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I, know, I don't, I don't know if it, had, I don't know if it hit an all-time <laughs> low in Prohibition. You're right. That's, yeah. a, that's a fair point. Um, its all-time low was 1996, and it, per capita consumption was bottom. And why is that? Um, in or do the they know? 70s, it peaked in 78. Wasn't it because of that Tom Cruise movie? Well, it peaked, peaked <laughs> That did get a lot of people off of drinking, right? Um, it, it peaked in 78, and then Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and the, the three martini lunch, and all that stuff. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. health consciousness came into being, and so it started tanking. 96, or maybe 98, at an all-time low. We went to Maker's Mark in 2001, and at that night, we said, you know, we're going to do it. So I started doing my homework, and I found that out. But it was on the upper trend, and when you ride the upper trend, we figured that might be a good time to start That's a business. That's a good time to hop So there on. you go. Yeah. Yep. Get it at the bottom and ride it to the Get top, right? Get it at right? the bottom. So. Yeah. And you may, and, and you're you're apparently very humble here as well, which I totally respect. Well, you I might mean, have won an award or two, I, I think I, I've heard this. That's because there weren't that many people competing when we did it. So <laughs> now there's a lot of people competing. It was 2016. Competing. Again, he's humble. <laughs> well, no, when we when we started High West, it was 2005. There were 50 distilleries in the United States. There's 2,000 right now. Wow! So I, I wouldn't. I that. wouldn't want to be competing right now. I'm glad you're doing it, not me. <laughs> Just saying. Wait, I thought you were. I thought you were with us on this. Well, I mean, I'm with you. Ish. <laughs> awesome. I'm with you. I'm, I want to help. All right. Well, we're here on site to talk about rum, and I honestly am super excited to talk about this. Um, I was telling you guys a little bit about this. Uh, rum had always kind of been when I drank, which was rare, 
leading up to, as anyone knows my journey, all the most of the listeners know. If not, go back and listen to old episodes. You'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I did not drink much. But when I did, I loved my frou-frou drinks, I lo- and I especially loved rum. Uh, actually, I went to a tasting. It was on Kwai. Uh, and I, I had a rum tasting there, and I was drinking it. And that, I think, was the first time I co- actually connected the dots and realized that rum is from sugar. Sugar cane. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, and you guys are going to correct me on this. I'm being very general. No, 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 that's here. right. Okay. All rum has to be made from sugar cane. Okay, but not, it, not just sugar, but it has to come from sugar cane. Yeah, and, but if I understand correctly, it's not as pure as I thought it was, which is you just take the sugar cane and go. There's a whole process and, and everything else that goes through this. But I would just, to me, that the light went off. I'm like, got a wicked sweet tooth. I love my sweets. Not a shocker surprise. I would enjoy rum, and not that it's sweet, but I, I don't know. I just think you know it, it's sugar based. It, it's guaranteed to be my drink there. So, ever since the start of this podcast, I've been wanting to do an episode on rum, and now here we are, and we're talking about rum. And so, like I said, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to be doing this, and I think we're doing it in the perfect place here again on the island of Hawaii. Uh, you it's know, the perfect place. Is it not? It's the perfect. So yep. wait, what's your favorite rum? Did you say you had a favorite rum? I, I do not have a favorite rum. Maybe by the end of this episode, I might. I've but already had a couple of tastes here. Do you have one in your liquor here. cabinet? What's that? Uh, in my liquor cabinet, I actually have... Mount Gay. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, although, with the recommendation, I might have to try it. I have one, and I, again, I'm, it's on the... I'm, and it, this is bad of me to forget it, but it's on the island of Kauai. You guys might know it. Kaloa. Yes. Thank you. I had I had a bottle of that after I went and did the tasting there. Bought a bottle home. Work that for a while. I also have a bottle at home that was a gift to me. It's twenty. I want to say it's a twenty-year age. It's out of Costa Rica. Supposed to be amazing, and I'm saving it for the right occasion to kind of pop that bottle open and, and drink some of that. So those are probably the the two that I actually have in my collection. I don't have a. I actually have a growing collection. Um, All right. And that's what I got in there right now. What's so, your go-to liquor? Uh, at the moment, it's Scotch. I, I found a, a love for Scotch, um, uh, Glenfiddich. Uh, it's delicious. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and then actually, uh, I think my favorite favorite is I take the if, little tangent here, but that's all right. Um, I take the Glenfiddich and I put a little amaretto in there. It's the God a Godfather, and really? that is like my it's a cocktail. It is. It's a cocktail. Wait, do you put ice on it? I actually normally there's ice. I like to drink it straight. <laughs> so just. Scotch, scotch and, and amaretto, and it's about two thirds scotch to about a third amaretto. And the amaretto, it's that almondy kind yeah. of a Swedish, and it just kind of takes, it just smooths it out. Just, to, I mean, I won't do this. I only do it with the twelve year. I won't do it with the fifteen, you know, plus whatever year. But with the twelve year, it just, it's that's that's like kind of my go-to cocktail at the Sounds moment. Sounds kind of good, actually. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> that's what I'm drinking. So Ron Centenario. What is that? Ron Centenario, the Costa Rican rum. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. There's only one there. So. There's only one, and that's it. Okay. I, I just I remember I got it, and I was I couldn't read the label, quite honestly, and I was trying to figure it out, and they, they explained were, were to me what drunk? it was. Were you drunk? Wait. No, it was, it was a gift, again. And, and so I was looking at it, and I couldn't quite tell what was – I knew it was a bottle of alcohol. I just didn't know quite what alcohol it was. Uh, oh, because it was Spanish. Or he yes, went, he yes. wasn't drunk. It was just blurry vision. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Fair I enough. didn't need the glasses, perhaps, at the moment. Uh, but no, and then – you know, and I, but So Ron I, means rum. What is it? Ron means rum. R O N? Yeah, in okay. Spanish. Yeah, and, and it because it didn't say rum on the bottle, and I think it did say it now does. you it pointed says out Ron. it did say Ron. Yep. It says it in Spanish, that's right. Yep. yep. So yeah, yep. so again, I once it was explained to me, I was very excited. I think you need to open it as soon as you go home. You know what? Rum's not for saving. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's a deal. I, I will, know? you know what? 
I will do that. Uh, I get home tomorrow, so Wednesday night that thing you, will be I open. Mean, what happens if you die? They, you know, you do drink Man. the good stuff first, right? You don't get to taste it, so yes. you should taste it. It's twenty-one-year-old. Twenty, I think it was twenty. I think it was twenty-year-old. And then, and then, <clears throat> once it's open, it oxidizes, so you might as well keep drinking it. So just drink fast, because the the <laughs> the, the thought of you saving that bottle after you've opened it for the years to come does that hurt you a little bit no 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 it's going to change oh okay so it won't be as good okay so once you once you start getting down on the level there's more oxygen in there which destroys the flavor so so you want to drink it within two years okay that's you open a bottle drink it within two years within two years okay that's that's better than i've heard and not as bad as i was starting to think when you told that because i kind of heard you can open it and keep it almost indefinitely Yeah, a lot of people think that yeah. yeah you can't do that and it depends. It depends on how old it is. It, like a lot of older ones, won't last as long. And it depends on the so. air in your bottle and how much air is in the bottle. And okay. And is this true of pretty much most? All alcohol, all hard alcohol. I mean, wines obviously go fast. But yeah, wine hard alcohol. Days. They have a shelf life once you open them. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Okay, that's good. Clothes, to know. They don't have a shelf but, life. But you're starting to make me worry that it was like a matter of like you know days or weeks no, or something. No, 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 but no, no, so you got years. No. But then again, too, it's just going to deteriorate Again, over the course of two years. Get so another if I one. open it on Wednesday, it should probably be gone by Thursday. That's right. what I'm hearing. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> if you if you want your LDLs to benefit, there you go. Yeah. Right. It's it's all it's all medicinal. That's, that's what it's here for. We're here for that. Um, awesome. Well, I'm super excited. Um, so let's talk about rum and what it is. Because, uh, uh, again, I've gotten so far as sugar cane, which has been confirmed. Yep. But but what else? How would you really kind of talk about or describe rum? Other, I mean, what little I know about it, again, it's in your most tropical drinks. Uh, it's made from sugar cane, and it's delicious. That's, that's my extent. <laughs> so the first distinction with all spirits is if it's distilled at 95% or higher, meaning the output of the still is 95% alcohol, mm-hmm. it's going to be either a neutral spirit or a vodka. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what it started with. Because the point is, is if you're just capturing alcohol, it's, it's either a vodka or a neutral spirit. Okay. Anything less, 94% or less, it comes out of the still, then gets categorized by based on what your starting ingredients were. Interesting, okay. And starting ingredients means what were the ingredients that you added yeast to to create the fermentation. Okay. So a lot of people don't realize this, but the alcohol is created during the fermentation process. So that's what uh, beer, spirits, and wine all have in common as they're all fermented. Yes. So you start with some substance, usually a leftover agricultural product, that has sugar in it, and you add yeast, and the yeast eats up the sugar and converts it into CO2 and alcohol. Okay. And then in the spirits world, then we'll take a wine or a beer. So whiskey is actually just beer distilled. It's not terrific beer, typically. Really? But there's no reason why it can't be terrific beer. Actually, I guess that kind of makes sense when I think about it because it's, it's, it's literally it's made beer. from the same yep. grains yep. quite often, right? Okay. And then you run it through the still and then you pick the best parts of it and, and turn it into a... Just real quick, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. going all the way back because you just blew my mind a little. So I want to I want to do that. So it's it's the similar grains, is it just, it's a different it's yeast? Beer. It's beer. Is it or is it, it doesn't even need to be a different yeast. Okay. The it's only just difference, what process it goes through. The only difference technically is that you've distilled it. You've, you've started with a beer. Oh, so it's distilled beer, basically. It's distilled beer. You didn't let it get to the point where it and started brandy and cognacs are distilled wines. Yeah, and I knew that on the distilled wines. And we still needed an episode on brandy and cognacs because they're delicious. But anyway, okay, interesting. I did not know that. Okay, all right, carry on. Do you I want to add anything you, to the whiskey? Well, the this beer, is a gentleman beer, who's made a lot of whiskey. Is, beer comes from fermented grain. 
right? Uh-huh, yep. Fermented grain. So yes. if you ferment corn, you have a beer. If you ferment barley, you have a beer. If you ferment rye, you have a beer. Yeah, but you also have a whiskey or... Well, then if you distill it, you get whiskey, so... Yeah, or distill it even further, you get a, a vodka or, or some kind of a... Uh, no, actually, the way you distill it will determine the alcohol that comes out of it. Got it, so okay. So okay. if you have a type of a still that's designed to capture essentially only the alcohol, then that will... You do that on purpose because you're trying to get a neutral grain spirit or you're trying to get a, a, a vodka out of that. So the point is, is vodkas and neutral grain spirits are basically ethanol uh-huh. watered down to whatever proof they want to serve it at. Nice. So okay. typically it's 40% alcohol and, and, and 60% whatever your local water is. Yeah. So that's yeah. something to think about when you spend lots of money on a really good vodka. 60% of that is your local water. Okay. And the rest of it is ethanol. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Now, so I'm sorry to take us on that tangent, but that was, again, that was... Right. So the difference between rum is, so where rum comes in is now 94% or lower coming out of the still. That means that at least 6% or more is going to be some flavor. Okay. Some of the stuff that was in the still that isn't just the alcohol is also coming out. Okay, got it. Yeah, because the more you distill it, the more you're taking everything out, including, like you said, the things that give it flavor, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. So like a okay. straight whiskey, which becomes a bourbon, is required to be at least 20% alcohol coming out. Mm-hmm. Because in order to have it taste good, you got to have some flavor. And the only way you're going to get the flavor is to let some of that beer come through as well. Makes sense. So it's 20% alcohol. No, 80% alcohol coming out of the still. 80 ABV. Um, and then, so with rums, anything or, or 94% or lower is now a rum if you started with sugar cane. Okay. Um, if you started with agave, it's tequila. If mm-hmm. you started with a grain, it's going to be a whiskey. And if you started with grapes, it's going to be a brandy or an uduvi or a fruit. Fruit mm-hmm. is also an uduvi. So that's basically the main spirit categories. Awesome. Okay. Um, vodka could be made from anything because it comes out such a high proof. So they even make vodka, for example, out of milk. Yeah. Oh, I did not know out of milk. I, I, I didn't learn along my tr- journeys here that I, I used to always think it was potatoes, right? Because no. that's what you're meant most, to believe. Most of the world's vodka is actually made from wheat. And that's fact, what I learned. the Russian recipe is wheat. Is it? Okay, I did not Because they, like us, have a surplus of wheat. Okay, yeah, and I did that. I did not know that, and I did not know from milk, but it's, again, it's just a matter yeah, of distilling it Yeah, there's a guy, a feller in Wisconsin that makes it from milk. Interesting. Because it's got sugar in it. Lactose. Yeah, and, you can and leave it to Wisconsin to ferment. do something with that milk. <laughs> and, right. and if you think about it, that's actually how spirits got started in the first place, is any leftover agricultural product that had no value as food, people figured out that the yeast didn't care, and it would convert it to alcohol, and everybody seems to like that. Actually, yeah. even going further back, if we want to get really random. Yeah, let's do this. There's a, a famous agriculturalist. Uh, it, it, a guy at the University of Pennsylvania that put out a theory that civilizations started when man or woman discovered fermentation. You, you know this. I have the heard this. of civilization. That, that, yes. Well, yeah. because what happened is they all kind of went, they, you, it takes more, to do it proper and large scale, it takes more than a, a person or a small group of people to well, You have to settle down and stay do in it. one place. You can't be nomadic because you, you have to, to settle grow down. crops. You have to have a community. And, and you have and to have an abundance of crops yes. that now can actually go to waste. Well, no, it wasn't about the abundance. It was about man settled down in the first civilization in order to ferment things. Yes, yes. So... Because the, the first pottery shards that they found with residues of alcohol corresponded with 
the early civilizations. Yeah, and there's it's a brewery cool. in, uh, I think it's in Maryland, that actually scraped. Yeah, dogfish. They actually yeah. scraped the inside uh, pottery from Egyptian barrels to figure out how they the were recipe, making right? beer. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. yeah. And I've heard trade, a lot of trade was driven by that too because it was that's all right. trade around the alcohol and that, that's why people that's why people started trading and moving and kind of going back and forth. So yeah, I, I've heard that. In Mesopotamia. Yeah, the theory well, you, that, Even in China and the, the earliest yeah. cities in China were same time as And alcohol. also too, like you're, to, again, we're nerding out here, but that's all right, we love it. Um, to, if, if you get back to that, that's if you look at the locations, like you're saying, Mesopotamia, some of those were the prime locations to grow the right ingredients right. to make the alcohol. So, yeah, yeah, it all kind of, it's, it's all theoretical, but I think there's a lot of, and a then lot of to, truth in that. To, to Steve's point, the, the excess one, like the, the colonists in America, if they had excess turnips, excess pumpkins, they distilled everything. Right, and in fact, rye, rye was kind of a, a reply, I'm being gentle, <laughs> um, to the British when they cut ties with them saying we don't need your recipes we're going to make our whiskey out of rye now because that was something that was very American at the time oh I did not know that okay nice All right. I, I think we're going to make our alcohol out of rye because it was rum well rum <laughs> was definitely the yeah. big thing so, yeah, so, so there's a great book called um, uh, End a Bottle of Rum by Wayne Curtis I think it is um, it's a fantastic book but in that, basically, two big facts come out of that. One is the American colonies were all making rum, and lots of rum were being made at the time. But more importantly is that rum is actually what paid for the entire American Revolution. Oh, I did not know so that. that the, it's a great book, and I highly recommend you reading it. And that's actually kind of it's a good segue to what we're doing here. Yes. It's because a lot of people, rum did originate in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. and the sugar industry, which... Led, led to the creation of rum started in the Caribbean around the 1500s but what's interesting is the uh, sugar did not start in the Caribbean so it turns out sugarcane is actually from the Pacific Ocean Oh, so sugarcane started 10,000 years ago in Papua New Guinea okay. um, and for the last 3,000 years it's been traded around the Pacific Ocean with Polynesian wayfinders and navigators and voyagers because the while the Romans decided that they were going to conquer most of the world and then lose it all during yeah. that 3,000 year period. The Polynesians were actually traveling around the entire and settling all the islands of Polynesia. Interesting. Okay. And they were doing it with little or no um, technolo technological tools. Um, they basically had a way of understanding how the skies and the seas and the oceans and the currents and the birds and everything worked in order to figure out how to figure out where new islands were. Yeah. And then not only be able to get there, but then to come back with everything they needed to start a civilization and to thrive. Yep. That Wait, so how did, how did the sugarcane get to the Caribbean? So one single variety of sugarcane from that Papua New Guinea. That was a good Guinea question. <laughs> Just random, I'm guessing. <laughs> was, totally random. Was discovered by the Chinese. <laughs> okay. Probably through some voyaging. Uh -huh. And then they quietly sort of figured out how to make sugar in isolation. And then as the conquest from the West would sort of go to the East, they would take these radical technologies like these guys have sugar. You should you should check this stuff out. It's pretty cool. And <laughs> right? it slowly made its way West. Wait, so sugarcane traveled West, not East? Yes. Sugar west canes, all the way around the world. Well, not all the way around the world, to Europe. So yeah. the Europeans, yeah, yeah. West, west from Papua New Guinea through Europe overland 
war after war and conquest after conquest, they would steal the sugar and take it. And then they, and the technology and the single variety of Papua New Guinea sugarcane was discovered with my quotation marks in the air by, I, I can't remember, a king of England. And he basically helped make sure that the Caribbean was made available to them to plant this single variety of cane. And from that, it grew so well that they started the sugar industry. There's, there's two really important byproducts of the sugar industry. One was, and I'm not going to say cavities, one was <laughs> molasses, uh-huh. um, and then two was rum. Okay. So when this molasses, this first time they had these great stores of molasses just lying around, mm-hmm. um, and molasses is what's left over after you process out all the white sugar. Yeah. And, um, that, and so some quick, of that the, was news to me because I had always imagined it's made from the, the sugar cane or whatever. And, it, well, but, it is. But, but it's, yes, but it's, it gets back to what you were saying before where a lot of the alcohol gets made from what's left over. Right. 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 And, it's and, always made from what's left over. Yeah, so I'm imagining these pure sugar canes, and apparently it's like this molasses almost kind of a. So molasses is not bad. Yeah, kind of molasses stuff, right? is, yeah. Is, is all of the flavor removed from the sugarcane plant, literally. Yeah. And then the only thing, so they take all the sucrose out and turn it and crystallize it and sell that as a pure form of sucrose. And then the molasses is sitting there, and, and somebody noticed in one of those huts that it was bubbling. And they knew what that meant, and then they <laughs> quietly started making rum out of it until they got discovered. And then rum literally then took over. So yeah. then processing white sugar became, at some point, a byproduct of rum production. That's right. you got to make the white sugar to get the molasses to right. make the rum. I and love so it. they continued to make the white sugar because there's a great market for it and people loved it. But the rum is actually where the money was. The primary product. And so all of us that suffered in history classes in the 70s and 80s about the Molasses Act and the Sugar Act and all these other acts, they're euphemisms for actually controlling the rum trade. Interesting. Okay. And so that, so rum actually became the number one spirit, certainly in the United States, and a huge spirit throughout Europe and, and, the, and the West in general. It was, it was massive. And so a lot of these islands, if you look at their histories, the French took it over, and then the English took it over, and then the Americans tried. And so that's why the Caribbean is so fractured and split up. And, and sometimes you can't even agree whether it's, you know, I, one of those islands is part Dutch and part French. Yeah. In fact, two of them are, right? The other one is French and, French and Spanish. Thank French you. French and Spanish, okay. So, meanwhile, though... Wait, so how, how do we know the first sugar cane came from... Because Papua we're working with this guy named Noah Lincoln, uh-huh. who had his PhD out of... Uh, he's now out of University of Hawaii. He's a professor at University of Hawaii, and he got his PhD at Stanford studying the Hawaiian field system that occurred for the last thousand years. So the first Hawaiians showed up a thousand years ago, and on their canoes, they brought plants they knew were essential to culture. The best guess is there was probably two varieties of Hawaiian sugar canes that they brought with them. And from those two, over a thousand years in isolation, the Hawaiians cultivated 40 different varieties. Okay. Yeah. And so, and, and to get to this a little bit, because uh, this all making sense, what I want to ask a little bit. So I know you guys are doing something different that you mentioned where it's like the 3%, only 3% of them yeah. do it. So what would a normal... Kind of what's the path for maybe a normal rum, and then what are you guys doing that's, that's more different and unique? The easiest way to make rum is, well, it used to be to make it from molasses. So the vast majority of the world's rum is still made from molasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and molasses is a product that's stable. Um, it can be put in buckets. It's highly concentrated, and it can sit for months, if not a year or two, um, without much attention. 
Um, and then what you do is you'll add some water and you'll dilute it and you'll adjust the pH and then you'll boil it and do all these things that other distilleries do when they're making their mashes to create uh, a liquid that basically approximates sugarcane juice. Okay. Um, and then you add yeast. And then here's a little side thing. So whoever has yeast should take, a, take your yeast out of the cupboard and look at it. And if it says Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which most of your yeast will say, that means little sugarcane critters. Really? So it turns out most of the yeast that's in production in the world for bread and baking and other things is, is actually all from sugarcane. Interesting. Okay. So in the whiskey world, did you guys use sugarcane yeast? Did you use Saccharomyces cerevisiae? Everybody uses Yeah. So basically, yeast is actually looking for sugarcane juice. Which, which part of it means little sugarcanes? Uh, Saccharomyces is sugar, and cerevisiae means little critters in oh. Greek. Damn, I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. Okay. So basically, everybody who ferments anything is actually trying to, well, not wine, but most, most, most beers and, and most alcohols, they're trying to actually make sugarcane juice because that's what the yeast is looking for. So when we decided we wanted to make rum agricole, because the well, French... And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit to make sure I understand. So so they get the molasses. Yep. And add then, some water. And then they add some... So basically, <laughs> it's almost kind of like they're trying to reverse the process exactly. a little bit exactly. to get back to that exactly. sugarcane exactly. juice extract yes. or whatever it is. And okay. then they have to adjust the pH. And then they have to... This actually... One of the things in front of you is actually fresh sugarcane juice. Okay, I'm going to try this. This, this is looks like it's fermenting. <laughs> it so this is, is fresh sugarcane juice that's fermented. Fresh. And this is the Kuliana aged rum. No, no, agricole. no, that's that's not. That's actually oh, oh, just I'm fresh sugarcane juice. Oh, this is just. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we make a oh, rum yeah. from that, and that's just a pure juice. So taste that. Oh, and it's not. It's so it's not. It's delicious, um, right? It's very delicious, and it's not alcohol. It's just pu- this is just no, straight. Not a, it's just straight juice. See, I would, I would. So you can see why if drink this. <laughs> it's, like, it's delicious. It is, yeah. So you can see why if you're a thousand years ago and they hadn't invented Coca-Cola or vending machines, it's like sugar water. And somebody offers yeah. you that, only better, sweeter. Yeah, you've yeah. got a so lot of good. friends if you're in control of that stuff. Oh, I would, I would have all the right. friends. Or I'd so be they made friend. sure when the Polynesians showed up here, they made sure that they brought some of those plants too, okay. for obvious reasons. Okay, so and so that's the, the kind of the and that's what yeast the juice wants. right there. That's what yeast is. And that's looking what yeast for. wants. So, so everybody traditionally, else everybody else tries to make they're this. They're working backwards to get to that. Yes. And then what you guys are doing so is So we were we couldn't believe how lucky we were. because we, we figured out what everybody else needed in their fermentations. And then so then when we figured out the pH and the temperature and the bricks levels and all those things, then we started doing tests on our own sugarcane juice and everything was perfect. And we thought, what are the chances that it's perfect? Until we realized the whole Saccharomyces cerevisiae connection, we put it together that actually yeast is looking for sugarcane juice. So we thought, okay, we're done. Yeah, this you is gonna be super easy. Yeah. Wait, hold on now. Can I? Can I? Yeast isn't just looking for sugarcane juice. Well, if it's Saccharomyces cerevisiae, well, it is. Yeah, and the ultimate idea of fermentation is turning, which makes sense, sugar to alcohol. They're eating it and. They eat the sugar. What's cool about it, the, when, it when it actually becomes alcohol, is, is like the rest of us, in a sugary substance, they'll multiply because they've got everything they need and they're happy and they, they multiply. When it actually becomes alcohol is when they actually run out of oxygen. So when yeast runs out of oxygen, i.e. in a fermentation tank or with so many yeast competing in the liquid at the same time that the oxygen is depleted, then what yeast can do that's super special is they can tear apart the sucrose molecule and take oxygen out of it to feed themselves the oxygen. Okay. And the byproduct of them staying alive by eating the oxygen is that's, that split is it creates ethanol and CO2. 
Interesting. Okay. So it doesn't mean to do that, but when it's in distress or when there's so much yeast around that it's become super competitive, that's where the alcohol actually gets created. Okay. And now I love my scotch. I love a good wine. But it seems to me it's all going after the sugar. So yes. rum is pretty We're much, all going let's after just the sugar. start with the sugar and call it done, right? right? Yeah. And the job of every plant on earth is actually to convert sunlight into sugar. So sugarcane just does it more successfully than most. So we've talked a lot of rum today, and there's, a, I think, a lot more to talk about before you know, we're done here, correct? Yeah. Do we have another hour? Uh, yeah, we need like another five hours, I think. But what we'll do is we'll go ahead. We're, this is going to be a two-parter. So join us next week. Uh, come in, listen, and uh, you can learn a lot more about rum. Uh, there's, I think, uh, again, a whole lot more to talk about. So until next time, uh, we're at theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Tell your friends. Uh, let's give the website for uh, yours. We'll do a little bit more at the next episode. But if they want to reach out to you now, how will they find you? At kulianarum.com. That's spelled K-U-L-E-A-N-A rum.com. Excellent. So until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. Right on.